writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the Right Pack. In this episode of Right Pack Radio, we are going to continue to talk about the nitty-gritty of the book publishing. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Right Pack Radio. This is your host, producer, and crazy man all around, David Allen Lucas, voice actor, author of some things. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm down on my author side right now. Martial arts instructor and president of Singles Writers Guild. With me is my lovely co-host. This time I remember to use that term first. Hello, my name is Kathleen Kayembe. I write speculative fiction and romance. Um, you can find a short story of mine called The Fairy Tree in the Best Science Fiction and Fantasy of the Year, Volume 12. And soon enough, you will be able to find my novelette, You Will Always Have Family, a Triptych, in the Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy 2018, edited by N.K. Jemison. And also with me today is the Lord High Admiral of Space of... Not Space Pirates, Steampunk Pirates. Yeah, Space Pirates, yeah. I do Space. next? No. I don't know, maybe. We'll have to figure out how to get the pirates into space. Rockets. Steampunk in space. Actually, I have that Steampunk in space. Rockets. Check out my newest uh, short story collection for that Steampunk in space story. Ow. Um, coming soon to a bookstore near you. Yes, I'm Brad R. Cook. You can find uh, Steampunk and more at bradrcook.com. And now that I'm off AK and stuff, you're probably going to see a lot more coming out of me. And also That's with me... <laughs> just all over, just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> all over. All over. We all have Brad R. Cook books as tattoos. Okay, moving on. Here, okay, over I'm, to my lovely wife. I'm Melanie Lucas. Uh, maybe I'll have. Uh, uh, should I make an announcement today? No, no. not officially. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. okay, fine. I have an aspirational goal of having my first draft completely done. First draft only <laughs> by uh, the end of this year. You can Aspirational. Do <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. We'll see. Also with us is the Mistress of Illustration and Fantasy. Uh, hi, my name is Jennifer Stolzer. I'm a children's book author and illustrator. Uh, I'm fresh off of PenCon at this point, which was very exciting. It was great. I was selling Broadcaster and Dog Park, which is my picture book. And it inspired me to jump right back in the trenches, and I'm hoping to get out another dog park book, which I've been mentioning before, but that's going to really happen, and a chapter book for kids ages 7 to 12, 7 to 10, and it'll be great. And uh, <laughs> everyone wish me luck, because I'm, I'm, it's luck. a new ground, breaking new ground. The force is strong with this one. Ah! Okay, and also with us today... Coming back yet for now the third, no, fourth episode that she's been on, I think. And yes. that, and hopefully going to become a regular with us, I'm hoping and praying, is the Queen Social Butterfly herself of promotion. Hello everyone, this is Lashonda Hoffman. I am the publisher of Shades of Romance magazine. I'm also the author of Building Online Relationships, one reader at a time. I'm currently working on my book, trying to finish this year too. Hopefully, get it to the beta readers. My goal is in October. I'll let you know if I make that. There you go. You can do it. Got this. <laughs> we believe in you. <laughs> well, next weekend I get my butt kicked for not having it out yet. So. <laughs> I, I have a copy editor who will be the last one who reads it before I either independent publish or start go traditional, in. start uh, pitching. And she's only been on me for a while now. And yeah. She's going to be way by not seeing it by January. So, anyway, today we're going to continue our discussion on the nitty-gritty, the nitty, the nitty and gritty of book publishing. Last episode, we talked about book covers and illustrations. We talked about bisect codes and ISBNs. We talked about book blurbs. Today we're going to talk about promotion. We're going to talk about galleys. We're going to discuss um, everything else that's still left, like promotional items. Not just promoting your work, but what items might go with your work. How do you do this and why? So let's start off with, I guess, let's start off with the boring. The galley. <laughs> what is a galley? And I don't mean a ship. 
by the way, or a diner inside a ship, depending on your term. What is a galley? Anybody? I know what this is. I used to have to look at all these all the time. Why don't I uh, say it, since it's one of the few things I know, and I'll be rather quiet in this episode. (laughs) Okay. In layman's terms, a galley is a copy that is like the first-run copy for you, where you make sure your layout's okay and make sure the book looks right. If you're self-publishing and this is a step, you should not skip, spend the money, take the time. This is where you avoid costly mistakes. Yes. Like your book starting on page three of your book instead of, you know, starting It is the last chance. Yeah. yeah, your last chance. It is your last chance to make any changes. It is critical. I don't know. On, I'm going to look at Brad for being a traditional published here. Um, how much time you have between your galley. Oh, first off, okay, as a traditional author, <laughs> do you get, you get a galley, correct? I know you do. Yes, yes. You got to look at yours. Uh, yep. How much time did you get? Uh, so galleys are going to depend. Usually you're not going to have a lot of time in your galleys. Your galleys are going to come at the very end. It's a rush job because uh, the, the, the publishing wall is right there. Um, if you're, it's nice, you're going to get a month. And oh, I don't know if I've ever nice. heard that many. Uh, more likely you're going to get a week to two weeks. Everyone's okay. shaking okay. their heads. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, you know, and I'm going, that is also heavenly. Because my former job which I haven't had a chance to talk about for a long time, thank goodness. Um, but in the process of creating 7 to 10, 208 books a year, we had not a week to turn around the galley, not a day. We had less than an hour. Well, I had a book that came with 72 hours. Wow. So, so I had 72 hours from being handed the work to when all changes had to be Did officially put in. Uh, not much, you know, but yeah, I mean, I went through every page and it, you know, it wasn't, it's, it's hard, but it's not as hard as you would think. Mm-hmm. You just have to dedicate the next 24 hours to doing nothing but your book. Because basically a galley at that point is not reading your work. It is looking at your work. Right. It is making sure there are periods at the end of every sentence, making certain that there's an opening quote and a closing quote mark, uh, for every, you know, line of dialogue. Um, it's making sure that layout looks right. It's making sure that, like, you know, you don't have weird gaps or odd pages, blank pages in the middle of your book. Um, artwork showing up on the page is supposed to show up and not superimposed over the text on the page across from it. You know, stuff like that. So, yeah, all your chapter headings are right. Uh, you know, and they, if you've done numbering, you know, did you do number in a period? Did you do numbering? You know, like all of this stuff is what you're looking at. Consistency of formatting. Correct. And along with that, making sure it's readable. Yeah. I making mean, sure that you've your got fonts all that change. Yeah. You don't have changed fonts. You don't have, you know, some weird thing that's popped up where suddenly everything you had that was uh, in italics is now suddenly no longer in italics. All that kind of fun stuff. Jen, did you still dovetail off down when you jump over Melanie's dovetail? No, 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 let her go. This okay. isn't exactly a galley, but I work in a different job where documents are also finalized, and if someone has a problem, the documents are locked. So they have to call, well, the helpline, which I man, and then I get a manager to come in and fix it. And uh, the problem was crap changes was not accepted. This is actually a fairly common error. It happens maybe 1% of the time, but if you deal with hundreds of forms, that's quite a bit. So then a manager goes in and accepts it. Except for this time, there was a Microsoft Word error. You accept the track change. You turn off track changes. You accept the track changes. You save everything. You close the document. You open it up again. There are your track changes. Okay. So. It still wasn't happening. So, you know, those are the types of things that you can catch on your galley, hopefully. Fixing them, hopefully, is easy. Go ahead. Are galleys always hard copies, or are they digital copies? That's right. You, read, you. you are reading my mind again like you did last episode. I love you. Um, I've gotten both. Um, so, most of the time I would say that I'm getting a electronic copy. But for one book, I did get a printed copy um, that was handed to me by the publisher. Um, but... Yeah, most of the time they're printed. You know, so I mean, electronic. Uh, yeah, it's like a PDF. So I can't really make changes to it. Um, but, well, I mean, we could 
break the app in order to do that. But yeah, you're not going to make changes to it. You're going to write a separate document and flag all the changes that you want made. Right. You know, on page such and such, paragraph three, line whatever, this needs to change. Um, and then that's going to go to the layout person at your publishing house who's going to make those changes. But there is the chance, because you're getting those galleys, that they've already submitted those to the publisher. And if they have, they might be less likely to make those changes because those changes will then come with a monetary fee. Right. 40 bucks to re-up. It's 40 bucks to reload your book to uh, the distributors. Mm-hmm. Careful. Oh, and like I, I was sent uh, an electronic galley for one of the books I mentioned at the uh, beginning of the episode. And um, what they had us do was um, they sent us the PDF and they had us highlight in the PDF and then make comments to do with the highlight. Yeah. And then we sent those back. Yeah, there are a bunch of ways you can do it, but it's essentially, most likely at the galley point, track changes and all that stuff is over with. Right. Yeah, this is not the living document that you're passing back and forth with your editor. This is a set PDF that has the formal layout of the book. It's in a two-page format, so like, you know, it's on a a horizontally turned, or layout, you know, Mm -hmm. version, landscape version. Uh, And then that is split in two to show you the two sides you know, each page, um, they are not true to, like, you can't turn this into a book. Because usually page one and page two are the facing pages that you're looking at. So you can read it and use it and do it that way, whereas an actual layout print book is not done that way. Right. It's usually one in the last page, two in whatever. Yeah, it's a whole mathematical calculation thing. Yeah. So, did you want to do... Okay. Well, I am going to come to you anyway, because... You've done a lot more self-pub. You've done uh, more yeah. indie publish. I've done mostly indie, yeah. Yeah, and so what is, what's, do you, you create your own gallery? I do, yes. So talk, yes. talk us through that process. If you will. Uh, well, I found it's uh, immensely valuable to print out a copy uh, of your book to physically look at, just to see it in its finished form. Now, if you're publishing uh, strictly to ebook, obviously this doesn't apply to you, but... Um, receiving, there's nothing like receiving it in paper and looking through it and seeing how the paragraphs line up and whether all the chapters start on the right page. And, uh, you can do that on your preview text document, but there's like, there's, it's sort of like, like print brain and computer brain and print eye and computer eye, um, you're activating a different portion of your perception and you might catch something you don't see. So I really love printing out a copy of my work just before sending it to publish. And it on uh, stuff like KDP, you can order a proof copy, mm-hmm. and you can use that as your galley, your air quotes galley. Uh, it's not officially called a galley, but it's a proof. And the proof is so that you can see exactly what's going to be coming out of their print houses. That's proof of product. And you can use that as your print because it's a full and complete book, but it's got the word proof all printed in it, so you can't sell that book. But it's a good, you have to buy it, you have to ship it to you, so you might as well use it for that. Um, If you just kind of want one to work with, I always recommend Lulu. They get a little pricey for buying lots and lots of books for them, but they do a really good independently printed and bound book without having you, forcing you to put it up on their marketplace to sell, which KDP forces you to put it up on your mar- the marketplace to sell if it's not approved. So if you're not ready to sell it, then you can go to lulu.com and use just a, you know, there's an option, print just for me, and you can put up a professional grade cover that you build yourself or a temporary cover and upload your Microsoft documents as a .doc or a PDF and get a copy of your book to you in the mail. You can even get it in hardbound if you want to be real faster about it. So I, um, it's, I recommend it. And also you can mark out it with a pen. And I really love that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a, I was in high school in the early aughts and we had to print everything out and mark it with a red pen. So I, that's sort of my land I live in and I really I feel good about doing that. We have yeah. lots of dovetails. I've got lots of dovetails. I'm going to, I've got one, two, three. Okay, who wants to fight? Go for it. 
I just, because this is a new episode, can mm-hmm. you define KBP for those who may not have uh, heard Kindle yeah. Direct Publishing. It's Amazon's uh, print-on-demand service for indie authors. Lashonda, then Brad. I highly recommend sending out for your proof with the KBP because I had a client who um, usually just looked at the proof on her screen, but for some reason she decided to order one, mm-hmm. and they had put her book in there twice. Ooh. Ooh. So she went from 250 to 500 pages. <laughs> she get this ah. huge book. And she's like, what in the world? Uh-huh. Well, when she uploaded, somehow she uploaded it twice, her book twice. And so she's like, what if I hadn't sent that, you know, got a copy of the proof? Uh-huh. And, then, you know, and I also recommend doing the proof because sometimes even... Even if you can't print it, if you're doing an ebook and you're doing ebooks only, to sit there and look at it. Because I also had a client who had, uh, she called it Googly Gop. <laughs> uh, her pages started with Googly Gop. Each chapter And she was literally crying because she had, her book was on a pre sale and it was supposed to load that, at 12 o'clock. And her oh. the pages were a mess, oh, oh, and she was oh. not gonna make a twelve o'clock deadline. And so she's like, "What should I do? Should I just sit?" I said, "No, people pay for a good book. They're not gonna. Right. They'd rather wait for a good book than pay for a book and it's got junk in it." So oh, she yeah. had to, you know, send out a message to her people. I'm sorry, the the pages were wrong. Whatever. Never send out a horrible book. Sit and make your corrections. Your, your readers will forgive you if they get a, a true book. They will not forgive you if they pay $10 and the book is a mess. Uh-huh. And that last statement is going to lead to a question I'm going to come up with. Brad, I'm trying to let Brad do his dovetail. Go for it. Uh, yeah, I was basically just going to kind of jump in on uh, yeah, what you both have said because it's pretty amazing. Um, and that's... Uh, oh, crap. Never mind. Come back to me. <laughs> yeah. I totally lost where I was going with that. Gonna, talking about galleys, talking about Lulu. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say you should totally uh, do this for your ebook as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually like to uh, not necessarily print it out, but put it into a PDF, mm-hmm. uh, that, that final ebook, and then go through that just to make sure it all looks good. Nine right. times out of ten, it's going to be fine, but that little extra step lets you catch all kinds of craziness. Um, I am so glad you said that because that's exactly how I'm going to come over you said second gen, because that's exactly where I was going to go. I was going to ask you about um, galleys for ebooks. I have a friend, a former, my former boss, who will who stopped reading people because the e-books of traditional published, nevertheless, some of the indies, they were gobbledygook mm-hmm. on the electronic. They would be page one, page two, page eight, page four. Ah. I mean, it, to that bad. And so, yes, I think, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, over to you, Jen. Uh, I also wanted to add, uh, like, the print book, getting a print book is so that you can see it in the way that your readers will be receiving it. Because yeah, right. they're not going to be receiving it as a Word document on your computer. Yeah. Um, Meredith Tate, I mentioned her in the last episode, but she's also a, a Pack radio uh, contributor uh, and published author. Uh, she, every book that she writes, when she's getting to the point where it's like a polished draft before it goes off to professional editors, she always downloads it to her Kindle and reads it there. Because it helps her catch things she wasn't seeing before, just because she's receiving it in the way that she receives books that she reads for fun, and not books that she writes and edits on a on a document file. So that's an option as well. If you didn't want to spend the money, spend the ten bucks or whatever to get a print copy mailed to you, put it, you know, make a PDF, make an EPUB or whatever, and put it on your Kindle and read through it and see what you see. Shonda, I I actually do that. I do that. Put it on the Kindle. And I have the Kindle read to me. Ah, oh, that's another. And the Kindle thing. reads to me, and you can also catch mistakes when it reads to you. So I, I take a day, I read it, and then I take another day, and I let the Kindle read to me. An author friend of mine, another author friend of mine, I got a bunch of them. Clearly, because <laughs> I got a bunch sitting around this very room. Uh, but no, this uh, friend of mine who's up in Seattle, he'll take the Word document and have it do have it record the re- recorded reading. And he'll listen to it in his car or whatever, like an audio book, and he'll catch the mistakes. So that's also a great way to do it. Brad. Okay. Uh, these are all awesome techniques. We should totally put out the giant disclaimer that you're not going to catch them all. 
Oh yeah, oh, yeah. this yes. is not a Pokemon situation. <laughs> this is most definitely an editing situation, so things will slip through. Um, oh god, yeah. You will have gone through this book a dozen times, and that thing that you've corrected a dozen times in other chapters, you missed in that one chapter, and it's totally slipped through. That is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I have to say this, and you know, Dave, you brought up uh, top five publishers who have mm-hmm. mistakes in their books. There are very few books out there that are truly perfect yep. because nobody has that kind of time to go through and check every page perfectly, make sure everything is perfect. So you might find, you know, a few odds and ends. The trick is to minimize those as much as possible and maybe not have ten on a page. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, yeah, that that would be bad. We are way past the time in which you've got little monks sitting around, standing around on writing vests. Recopying everything in candlelight. Yes, and I guarantee you, they have made mistakes. So, so just know that that you know what is it? No book is perfect. Books yeah. are just abandoned. Yeah, uh, you know, finished, just abandoned. There you go. So, uh, just know that nothing will ever be perfect, and it's okay. Uh, just minimize those little tiny mistakes so that they're not, you know, giant mistakes like your book has no italics in. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of personal experience. Just a little bit. Yes. I hey, remember that story. Okay. Just, like getting a book and being like, wait, where'd all the italics go? Uh-huh. I'm going to lead this into um, promotion here in just a minute, but I know in our last episode, if you haven't listened to it, all the listeners, please take time to listen to part one of this, as this is a continuation and we're going through things. We talked about in the last one, meta- metadata, we talked about um, keywords... We talked about categories and so forth. What about getting it into a distributor's catalog? This is the biggest thing which a traditional published say that, hey, we will get you in this catalog. It's well, big for indies too. It's big for oh, indies yeah. as well. Um, so tell, tell me about how this happens. What it is. What so is it? A catalog, we, we've done a whole show on catalogs actually. I know. Before, but, so go but, back and listen to that episode too. Episode, um, yeah. But um, catalogs are essentially the way that the industry buys books. So every distributor that's out there, whether it's Ingram or whether it's Baker and Taylor or whoever it is, uh, even Amazon, because they've got Amazon, which is essentially a catalog. The catalog is a book of books that are coming out that year. Um, This is not a catalog you can go buy or find or anything like that. It's given out to libraries and bookstores and publishing houses and things of this nature so that people know what's coming out People can buy what's coming out. Uh, more importantly, you know, Barnes and Nobles, Walmarts, uh, you know, everybody and their uncle who sells books like Hudson News and all of that, they get all of their books from these catalogs. Now, essentially, you have no control over your catalog. It's essentially just your cover, uh, a blurb about your book, and a few of the metadata that we talked about, like, there might be some of the keywords or a tagline or something like that along with it. But essentially, it's just the cover and a blurb and your name, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you do write that copy, though. So as Fedora mentioned in the last one, uh, you're going to write the back jacket copy. You're going to write the catalog copy. You're going to write any little blurb about the book or whatever. More than likely, these are all similar. So, you know, know that you can use part of your back jacket for part of the catalog or whatever. Um, and then once you've got that set, you're sending that off to your publisher, your publisher enters all this into the distributor, the distributor creates the catalog. So this is not something that even your publisher has a lot of say in. The cool thing is if you are traditionally published, or if you pay to be in if you're indie published, to the section that they actually print the cover and the blurb, uh, is to know that somewhere out there, somebody's flipping a page, and they had to flip by your cover. <laughs> um, that's the great, you know, glory. If you're friends with a bookstore owner, go and try and check it out and see if you can see it, because it is kind of cool to see your book in the catalog. Um, that, I fully admit, is kind of cool. But you're more than likely never going to see that. <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things. It's just out there. It's nothing more than any other standard catalog you would look at. I think they do, like, six books on a page, depending upon the distributor. Uh, the bigger distributors get more space. They might have like a full page for their big book that year or something like that. Uh, but that's about it. So that's that's the catalog. 
Um, yes, there is a printed version of this catalog that does get sent out to people, but I also know I think there's also an online version uh, where you just go in and you can do what you want. Look yeah. at it. Sure. Uh, isn't it true that big places like Barnes & Noble won't stock your books on a shelf unless they can order it from a catalog? Yeah, okay, so that's that's the other part of the catalog, which truly you mentioned, too, is that they... So for indies, if you're an indie, you go through Ingram, uh, you can make it into the catalog, but more than likely... You're in the back of the catalog where they just list the books. Um, that is awesome. And if you're there, uh, Barnes & Noble and places like that will order your book. Um, because they can get it through the catalog. They won't order it from Amazon. Yes. That's the key. So this is the way that everyone orders books. This is the only way people order books. So every bookstore out there uses these catalogs to order books. Nobody will go through Amazon to order a book. It's and just it not what's done. Unless they're consigning with you specifically, yes. no bookstore is going to buy directly from an author either. Because no. they're not going to call you up and say, ship us 15 more of your book. Exactly. It's, they're going to count on you to come in and say, hey, we're splitting the profit on this 40-60, and exactly. uh, here's some copies of my book. And if you don't show up again, they're like, okay, whatever. They're not going to pursue you. No. Yeah. <laughs> but for everybody else... <clears throat> The way that it works is you'll be in the catalog, and then they just order out the catalog. And it, yeah, it's a great system. Uh, but yes, the important part is to be in the catalog. So if you have the option of, you know, bumping yourself into the catalog, make sure you're there. Uh, I'm pretty certain with Ingram, it's all, it's automatic. Um, if you're, It's nothing extra you have to do. I don't think there's anything like that for Ingram. Uh, there were used to be for, like, some of the smaller print shops, but most of those don't exist anymore, so I don't even know if that's a big KDP has an extended uh, distribution option. Yeah. But they charge a bit of a fee. You have to raise the price of your book to get into expanded distribution, and that gets you in the catalog. Okay. So there are... Check check the different systems. I'm not as familiar with them because I use Ingram, so I'm already there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's... If you are going to be serious about publishing books, you need to be in a catalog because you need it to be that Barnes & Noble or somebody else can get your book uh, if they so are inclined. Well, you uh, can't do a book signing at a Barnes & Noble unless they can order your books to the catalog. That's true, too. Yeah. Did you still dovetail? Well, you said catalog. So if you're in Barnes & Noble's, are you in the catalog? How do you yeah. get in the catalog? <laughs> if you are distributed by a distributor, if you are in bookstores, um, if you are, you know, all of that kind of stuff, then your book is in the catalog. Um, if, the only way you're not is if you are indie published and you did not choose these options. Okay. Um, you went through, like, Amazon or you went through just a printer, not a distributor. Um then these are ways you are not in the catalog and you're going to have to find a way to get in. There really isn't a way. I mean, the way is to be through Ingram. The way is to pay Amazon to get into the catalog. So, if you know, if you're using a distributor, though, this is not a thing. All the distributors put their books into the catalogs. So, you're already there. Cool. Anything else on catalogs? I'm going to move right on to promotion. Go for it. Okay. So, let's talk about promotion. Let's talk about the different kinds of promotion that need to be done. I mean, you've got your platform, which should be your website, social media, so forth. You've got promotion that you're going to be at places with your book. You've got promotions that your book's coming out. And I'm really doing glossy. I expect my panel to jump in here and fix everything. <laughs> um, you've got promotions like, I'm looking at Jen's laptop as she's working as we're, as we're doing here, and she has a beautiful cover from Threadcaster, on the back as a skin for her laptop. Um, that's available out there if you wish to buy that soon. Yeah, oh yeah, you can get that if you want. Yes. Redcaster has its own store up on Redbubble. You can buy all sorts of stuff. So, there we go. So, take me through the world of promotion. And I know um, Bob Baker's not here, but he would always talk about how authors and other creators are just scared about putting out their promotion. We should not be. Hey, we created this stuff. People want this stuff. Before you get into the different types, you should probably start off with, you should start this 
as far into the past of, you know, you, as you could. Yeah, before well, you well, could. We should have started yesterday. <laughs> well, you didn't. So it's okay. <laughs> Let's start today. <laughs> let me, let me, okay, I'm glad you did that to me. I'm glad you did that to me. So how far in advance should you be promoting? You don't have any books out, for example. When should the you minute you, literally the minute you sign that contract and you know that book has a date. Okay. A publishing date. Yeah. Okay. The minute that book has a publishing date, that is most likely going to be when it comes out, and you need to start promoting, not necessarily that date, but promoting the book, you, all that stuff. And for indies, that's when you've committed to indie publishing and you're prepping your book to get ready to go. Yes. So, like, while you're, yeah, you know, promote if you want while you're writing your your first couple drafts to, like, your writing friends and talk about it online and stuff, but start promoting the minute you get yourself a cover or a graphic or something and you can put it out saying... It's coming, it's coming, so that everyone can, you know, put up, you know, bat in the hatches, we got a book coming out. You're going to want to do reveals. Title reveals, cover reveals, galley reveals, arc reveals if you do that, and then obviously the the book itself. Okay. Yeah, you'll have all your reveal days. Over to the queen of social media promotion. Tell us, tell us. Well, we don't recommend waiting till the book comes out. A lot of people do that. They wait till the book comes out and they go, my book releases Friday. And you're like, what? <laughs> you was writing the book? <laughs> What's it about? What's it about? What you talking about? You know, so I don't recommend that you start talking. Like, uh, for me, I'm writing a book. So I talk about writing my book. Mm-hmm. And I ask questions to my audience to get them interested. I get, I get all the time people go, that book sounds interesting. When is it going to be out? You know, so that pushes me, encourages me to keep going forward. You know, um, I I recommend you make a plan. You sit down and you write your plan out for what you want to do with your book. Because winging it sometimes does not work. Because mm-hmm. most writers don't have time for promotion. They tell themselves that. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for promotion. I got to write. I got to do this. I got to do that. And so if you sit down and create a plan three to six months before the book comes out, Sit down, decide what you want to do, uh, what you're going to do on your social media platforms, what you're going to do on your blog or your newsletters, what you're going to do when you go live to events and things like that. Are you going to pay for promotion? Um, if you got not, if you don't have the budget, because most people don't have the budget with their first book, then they you got to work. So what are you going to do to let people know that you have a book? Most people don't create a plan. They just go, well, when the book comes, I'll just do this, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. I recommend doing a plan. I taught doing it for a year, but now I teach quarterly because it's, it's short. I've learned that people's attention span is not that long. So <laughs> three months at a time, sit down, write down what you're going to do for three months. This next quarter is coming up. It's the last end of the month. What are you going to do? Are you going to do holiday promotion? Are you going to do the fr- Black Friday? I make big money on Black Friday. I'm not, I got one book. <laughs> but I plan for that. I want to make sure that I've got some little deals going on on Black Friday. You want people coming over to your site. You want them coming over to your, to your, to your, um, to your blog, find out different things. You want to be in magazines. You want to do interviews. That takes time. You can't wait till your book come out and then say, hey, I want to be in your magazine. When people plan, you got to look at other people's plans. They plan out three to six months in advance. On different things. You want to be on my podcast? You can't wait till the podcast is coming. Oh, Lashonda, I'm going to be on the podcast. I, I'm booked up for three months. You know? <laughs> so you want to make sure you get in people's schedules. And you do that because you have a plan. You know, okay, well, my book is coming out in November. i got to have something for October. i got to have something for September. i got to have something in August. So people can be ready in November. November, people probably already have their list of what kind of books they want. Readers are serious. They have what, how much they're going to be spending, and they need to be able to put you on the list so they can have your book when it comes out. People talking about that book, they excited. They want to get on on the bandwagon too. But if they don't know about your book, if you wait till the book comes out, then it's too late. You know, everybody spent their Friday money. You got to wait till the next Friday. Yep. <laughs> you want to get that Monday? Okay, Friday's coming up. I want you to be hot to ready to hit the button to buy my book. But we can't buy your book if you don't tell us about it. You don't get us excited about it. We don't know what it's about, who the characters are, what's going on, how much it costs. You know, get us ready. Most people, wait till it comes out. Don't be that person that waits till it comes out. Also, too, I'm going to throw out there, what I've seen some people do, 
that I've liked, and that is the most stuff is in their industry, in in their genre. Like, for example, if I'm writing a science fiction book, which, yes, is what I'm working on, um, I may promote Alien Day, or, start, or May the Force Be With You, or Do You Have Your Towel Today, for those Hitchhiker's Guides of the Galaxy. Being involved in the in the community because that's really what you're trying to do is you, it, we are in a time of change in which allows this promotion that we are talking about to happen. Go back twenty years or more. It used to be what you what I'm going to call top down. Think of the old game of Tetris. If you remember that fun thing from the '90s. You're having blocks come down. you got to maneuver around, make a little thing, and someone eventually overwhelm you. But that's what it is. Your promotion was back then. It's top down. Now we're building communities mm-hmm. with our promotion. So that, at least that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, should be, what should be in my promotion toolbox? I, I, I know something out. A lot of money to hire a publicist. Which actually, that's a, I, that sounds like I said a joke, but no, honestly. But you have to be ready for a publicist. You know, a lot of people. I had a client that bought a, got a publicist and spent two or three thousand dollars for a publicist, but she wasn't ready for a publicist. A publicist gets you in the magazines, gets you on television, gets you on the radio. You've never done interviews or stuff like that. You got to get ready for that. You go on TV and they put the light in front of you and say go, and you sit there. Oh yeah. You spent two thousand dollars of being scared, you know. So you have to build yourself up for of publicism before you go to a publicist. Ask questions. They might not be who. They not, might not have the audience that you want. You know, just because you go on TV doesn't mean you're going to sell books. That audience that's reading books. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to make sure that are you ready for a publicist. Because most new writers aren't. And you got six or seven books out there, then yeah, you can get in there because you got stuff to talk about. So you have to think about that. How do you yeah. advise getting ready for a publicist? You mentioned like interviews, like how do you get ready for an interview? What sorts of things do publicists set up for you that you need to get ready for? Those are questions that you need to ask a publicist. <laughs> what is it first I tell my clients, sit down and write down what is it that you think the publicist is supposed to do for you? So when you write your list of what you think you want the publicist to do for you, like some people are like, I want to be on radio shows. I want to be on a, I want to be on my morning television show. I want to be in the newspapers. Do you have a newspaper? Some places don't have newspapers anymore. So, you know, you want to know exactly what it is that you want from the publicist. Then you go and sit and talk with the publicist. Don't hire them. Sit and talk to them. Ask them what they do. Do you, you write fantasy. Do you have a fantasy audience? Can you get me in front of a fantasy uh, radio show? Can you get me on a fantasy magazine? I don't even know what that is. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next one. Because every person isn't, you know, you can get a publicist and they're in Hollywood stuff. You might not be ready for Hollywood stuff. So you have to, you have to know what is it you want from your publicist and can your publicist fit what you want. A lot of people come, when they do promotion, they pay big money for promotion, but it's not their audience. Just because somebody has 50,000 readers doesn't mean they read your sci-fi. Right. They might they might be into romance and be like, girl, get this what is this? And they skip over that. So you <laughs> spend two thousand dollars and nobody paid any attention to you. So you have to know that they have your audience. That's the most important part of promotion. Somebody could have two hundred people and they all love fantasy books. They will hit the buy button. Somebody can have five hundred people and they only read romance and you spend five hundred dollars for nothing. So always know who when you're gonna spend money, or even if you you went in contact with that person, just because they have a podcast doesn't mean you need to be on their podcast. And I'm really glad you said that because on the podcast part, um, research the podcast you're gonna that you're trying to ex, um, trying to access. Right Pack Radio. Those of you who have been fans of us for the last five years, or you know, over the years with us. Know that we don't sit here and do promotional interviews. We are at a round table talking about oh, my book. Industry. <laughs> Sorry, I can't resist. That's all right. But we <laughs> have we haven't had a lot. We have had a small handful of people who come to us going, Can I be on your can I be on your podcast? And I'm like, 
Okay. <coughs> this is what we do. What topic would what topic do you feel like you are and you shall share what's coming up. Episodes are coming up. What topic do you think you can contribute to? And I either get crickets or I go, Oh, I get it. Oh, I didn't realize this. Is this I wanted to talk about my book coming out. I'm like, we don't do that. So research. Over to Melanie and then I don't know if Jen had her hand or that. Okay, Melanie. Yeah, this is this came up with um, a conversation I had about another author, and since he's not here, I won't name him, but his main character is, uh, uh, I think I think it's his main character, I'm sorry, I haven't read his book, but point is, his, his target audience is probably in their 20s female, maybe male too, but you know, basically young. Probably 20s, maybe a bit younger, maybe a bit older. He's in, let's just say he's old enough to be my father and I just turned 40. <laughs> so, here's the thing. If he went out and did all these podcasts, he doesn't really connect very well with his target audience. People that have read his book, that he can get, that are in the target audience, really like it. But that's his, I'm talking, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. But he's terrible at doing promotions and... He really just can't connect directly to his the readers that would most enjoy his book. So, what are some in situations like that where the person probably isn't the best advocate for their own work for whatever reason? So, they what are some better promotional? I wouldn't things? recommend doing anything live. You might yeah. be better in print. Right. right. Yeah. Some people are better in print. He would do newsletters. He would do magazine yeah. things like that. Stuff that that goes out that people can read. My um, problem is that some, some people just are not great in interviews. They're not. Well, he, he might not. He might not be bad. And sometimes, sometimes when they group. look at you, that turns them completely yeah. off. They're mm-hmm. like, I've had people who wrote romances. They're like 70, 80. And they're like, uh, I can't wear the romances no more. Once I met them, I'm like, but they still write the romance. Yeah. They're too old. I'm like, yeah. what makes you think it's a whole life of romance? Right. But that's how people they look. It, it's an image thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh. A great uh, strategy that I've seen done, because we're talking about an older person who's writing for a younger demographic that they don't really have an opportunity to mingle with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or that they don't feel like their personal, actual persona is relevant enough to have to that be a draw. I've seen people use uh, like motion graphics and. Uh, you know, illustrated images of their main characters or writing things in character and putting those up. Hey, my adventure is this. And using the book, which is what you want to draw people to anyway, to be the thing that draws them, make that enticing to your main audience, even if you physically, personally are not. Because lots of people in the world publish under pseudonyms. You know, they publish with pen names. And that pen name is not you, and sometimes that pen name is another gender or another age, or maybe uh, some people write under the pseudonym of an animal if they're writing like a cute story and it's like it's written by uh, such and such the cat, and it's a story of that. And uh, obviously the cat can't go on for an interview, and if you're interviewing about, you know, this cat book and you're being a cat and you're trying to appeal to like eight-year-olds... Well, doing an interview saying, oh, but I'm actually the cat, you're just breaking the immersion, just right there. They were so excited to be reading this book about this cat written from the point of view of the cat. So then just just run with it. You just need to find a platform and then adhere to your platform and uh, sell that to the target audience that you want to go to, whether it's your face or not. Along with that pseudonym, I'm glad you brought that up. because I'm thinking about somebody who, he's not an author. He's a motivational speaker, but he's not an author, and he's actually... It's very amazing when you know his whole story background. Um, his name is David Goggins. Um, mm. This is a man who actually went from being extremely fat to he went into the service. He did Navy SEAL. He did Army Ranger and a bunch of other multiple um, special forces programs. He has he ran his first marathon on a broken foot. <laughs> so, and he's able to. I mean, but where I'm going to go with what I'm saying is he had his real name, and he created David Goggins. And he goes, really, I can't remember what guy's real name is. This name couldn't do this stuff. 
he, he was impossible. But I could say David Goggins or this other pseudonym can. He can do it. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a way to overcome a lot of your own concerns and so forth as you're going through the publishing industry. And with that, <laughs> Brad. Um, I was basically just going to throw out the yes, you can you can uh, have all these different names and you can do it that way. But uh, in reality, you know, you're, you're putting these books out for yourself. So, yeah. uh, like, you're going to build up yourself online. You're going to build a persona of yourself online. You're going to promote yourself through various means. Focus there. Uh, I write for kids. Uh, I am not constantly trying to give 10-year-olds candy that is creepy. <laughs> Thank you for that. Now, here, half my book is not a good way for me to try and get out to my audience. Let's put it that way. So I'm going after their parents and their grandparents, and I am I'm have enough of a presence online so that a 10-year-old's going through steampunk books, they're going to come across my novel, you know, or something along those lines. But more importantly, uh, you know, I'm also in a ton of school libraries, and I'm in places where kids have a better chance of reading me than just randomly walking into a store and buying my book because ten year olds don't do that. No. Right. Um, so yeah, there are, you know there are challenges to reaching your audience, but there's always a workaround for it. And more importantly, as I was saying, build up your presence online because that's what's going to people will find. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a kid who's you know, taking 10 minutes from Fortnite to kind of pop around and look yeah. at steampunk stuff, he has a chance of running into my artwork. Um, or she. I don't want to genderize yeah. that. Um, so, you know, there there is that. But at the same time, I am not walking around trying to get 10 to 15-year-olds to buy my book. Now, I do school visits and stuff, and there I'm totally about that. Mm-hmm. But that's a setting where I have that option and I can do that. Online, on Twitter, I'm not like, yes, 10-year-old, buy my novel. It is exactly what you're looking You know, that's, that's not going to happen. Man, I can't be here. Yeah, exactly. Chris Hansen's going to show up and knock on my door. I don't need that. <laughs> so, you know, there are tons of ways to reach out. And I just have, you know, for me, kids is just an angle that I have to deal with, and I do. But, you know, it could be that you write for women and you're not a woman. It could be that you're a woman who writes for men, you know? Right. You're writing the craziest, like, you know, new Jack Ryan novel. That's cool and all. Feel free. You're going to reach out there. If you have a presence, if the books are out there, you have a chance of being found. Going back, and I thought about this, and then we jumped off away from it, but when um, LaShawn was on a publicist, um, I remember reading this article in Writer's Digest years ago. I'm sure it's been regurgitated since then, about an agent complaining about things which our authors would not do. And if you're going to hire a publicist and they want you to do something, it's your money. Go do something. You've got to do it. What the case was the, of the article, I still remember, I don't remember names, was an author who the agent wanted to go up and do have do book signings at bookstores within 50 miles of their house. So we're not talking about long distance here. Um... The author didn't want to do that. They didn't want to go to those bookstores and book signings. How the hell do you think you're going to sell your book? <laughs> I mean, if you're not willing to do the promotion work. So, if you're hiring an expert to do it, and you've gone through the interview process, what Lashonda was talking about earlier, rewind to I don't know how many minutes ago, all that stuff, and you say, okay, this publicist is worth my money, you you're going to get what you paid for, and if you ain't going to follow the follow it, you're just throwing money away. So there we go. I'm done. That was my little soapbox that I remembered from that from that conversation brought that that article. Okay, what about promotional work outside of the book? We've got the website, which you need to do. Um, what about? I'm looking back at Jen's thing of her. Of her beautiful skin, and she also has a coffee mug with it, with it as well. And my like, phone cover. I oh, yeah, the phone cover. fancy today. Yeah, yeah. I got my mug, my phone cover, my computer skin. I also have a tote bag. When you go to a when you go to a con, I have not sold at a con, so I'm, this is just me observing. I've noticed that people want to buy more than just 
a book, especially if, you, if you've already established them as a fan. So how do you, what, what other things can you do? How far is overboard? Yes, creating action figures and getting Mattel to make these things for you might be a little too far, unless you're George Lucas. No, it's not. That sounds great. <laughs> that sounds great. Don't get me wrong. That's my dream. Yeah, seriously. But what is what is what should you create? What's something ideas for what you should create? And when is too far? Go ahead, Jen. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna spin this a little bit wide and go also to to swag. Perfect. Swag's uh, the definition of swag is like table things on your table that are free to take and keep. Uh, free is important, and people look for swag things. What swag things can I pick up? Uh, popular swag items, bookmarks are always popular, especially at reader conventions. Yes. Uh, artwork to hand out for free is good. I I have art cards that I hand out, and they're just postcards with a picture, like either of the cover, or actually the cover is the one that went the fastest. I'm actually out of covers after PenCon. Um, or the protagonist, and I draw a lot as an illustrator, so I have artwork on the side there. Um, and so, and, um, and you know, I, I spend like 50 bucks on a thousand of these, one of those print shops, just hand them out for free with a sticker on the back with the website on it, just something to take that they'd like, sign it, if you sign it with a pen, then people want to keep it more, because now it's a signature, and it's cool, um... Pens are very popular because often readers are also writers. Um, notepads, notebooks, those uh, those plastic silicone bracelets are things. But what really gets people is if you think about your book and the stuff that's in your book in your world and pick something that's relevant to that. Like I give away uh, Threadcaster strings, which I'm not wearing mine today. I usually wear it every day. I've actually lost my purple one. I don't Aww. know where it went. Um, it's, uh, I was wearing a yellow one at, at the con, um, but I have a big stash of them, and uh, I hand those out to anyone who buys a book, you get a free one of these so that you can cast magic at home, because using Cat's Cradle String is how my protagonist casts magic spells in the book, and, uh, kids are like, oh my gosh, there's a toy that comes with it, that's even more fun, mm-hmm. and that also gives me the freedom to, if, like, the older sibling is buying a book, maybe I give a string to them, and I give a string to their little sibling, too. And then everyone's smiling and happy and remembers me fondly. And it's uh, it's a way to put the book and you in the positive center of someone's mind. And giving people presents is always fun. <laughs> so um, if you think about, like, uh, there was a Claire uh, Abway. She is great at picking out swag. Like, she was giving away a little little shoe-shaped things and martini glasses and all sorts of cool stuff. Every new book she came out with, she had some specific book swag for the new thing. So the people would come to her table to see what she had next. Mm-hmm. She, By the way, this is not what I was going to say next, but Google Claire Applewhite. <laughs> look for images. Anything that shows her at a table selling books, look at look at all her swag. <laughs> it, it is an amazing. She's, she's a master of it. Point blank. Um, a couple of things. One, I'm going to kick this over to Brad because I'm going to talk about him in just a second. But um, one of my favorite science fiction authors, David Weber, who writes Honor Harrington, um, he has a T-shirt that he walks around, at, at least at the conference I saw him at, that has a picture of the main character, Honor Harrington, right there on his chest. Uh-huh. And it's kind of cool. Um, Even better, though, for T-shirts is George R. R. Martin and... Uh, no. Oh, I can't remember who the other t-shirt guy was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Elmore, it was somebody else. They wore the same t-shirts to everything else. <laughs> Just but, look it up, it's great. Yeah. And, but I will say also what's interesting about um, David Weber is he has Harrington conventions. Mm. Think Star Trek convention, except Honor Harrington, and there are people who go full cosplay there. They have organized themselves into ships. It is beyond amazing that he that he's able to pull this off. And then there's our own Brad R. Cook. <laughs> Brad, being the steampunk guy, does something, which I'm hoping he's going to talk about. If not, I'm going to throw him under the bus with it. Um, he creates something that he hands out with his books. Yeah. That, is, that the fans have gone kind of crazy for. 
Yeah, actually, it was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I do uh, a pin, a handmade gear pin. It's just a small little button pin. Uh, and I hand it out with every book that gets bought. And one, I had people come back for multiple pins. So they got a pin from the first book, second book, third book. So now they got three pins. Uh, but by the third book, what I had and was really cool is, is that I wear the pins as well when I'm out and I'm doing my author event. So I've got my pin on and people have their pin. And what I found is people would flash their pin. <laughs> As if we were all in some sort of secret society. <laughs> like, they, you know, because I now know that they've purchased my book before because they're wearing the pin. And then, you know, and, and this also goes to steampunk people who tend to accessorize a lot. <laughs> um, so pins are, you know, quite accepted. You'll see, a, like, I'll see my pin on somebody's hat or bag or something like that walking around the con, which is really crazy and fun. Um, but I've seen these and people have flashed them at me, so it is kind of a little secret society, and I've still continued this with my other books. Uh, I probably won't stop just because it's so much fun to, to give out these pins. Um, but I would also say, uh, in throwing out awesomeness, the best swag I have ever received, uh, from any author actually comes from Claire Appleway, so I'm going to throw her out there for this. Um, it was a book, uh, flash drive? So yeah, I have right. in the shape of a book that came that. with on it her cover, the first couple of chapters, and the press kit for the book. So with this thing that you had been handed, which I'm sure cost you know a couple of bucks to make or whatever, but uh, you know she had a bunch of them for this release. You got a bunch of stuff about the book, about her, and about all the books she had published in one little flash drive. It was the greatest. I still have a flash drive. Uh, to this day, I, I actually kept most of it on there, and then the rest of it's filled up with whatever I have on there now. But um, it's just fun, and it's in the shape of a book, so it's like the most adorable thing ever. Uh, but totally, there is a ton of great swag out there. Um, buy it in as much bulk as possible, or hand make it, because I did. Uh, um, I can't even call it that. <laughs> book thongs for uh, for my you can't latest call book. That. No, you can't. No. But it's a bookmark. That's what it's actually called, though. It's called a book thong. It's called a book thong. It's the string book bookmark. Thong. How about that? Yeah. The stringy bookmark. You should call it a bolero. There you go. <laughs> oh, a bolero that? for books. But uh, I actually made a bunch of those for the Airdranium, the Airdranium Adventures, which tied into the book because you got your own little soul stone and you had your gear on the other end. Uh-huh. It worked out great. Those were fun. Those went really well. So... There's a ton of stuff you can buy or hand bake or whatever, but I, I highly recommend them. So uh, there's always a nice thing to be able to hand somebody more than just your book when they're buying your book. Mm-hmm. And for me now, uh, so I have a deal. Feel free run it over to bradrcook.com and pick this baby up. You can get uh, all three of my novels, two prints, and a pin. For thirty six bucks. Oh, no, it's crazy. So you get all of this stuff and the three books. I ship it to you in like a cute little thing, so it's awkward. So there is that, and that is that. I have to say that sells really well. Uh, when oh, I lay out the thirty some odd bucks for all of this, everyone's just like, Boop, "Okay." So it, it, you know, once you can do the package deal, it is a nice thing too. Cool. Good. Uh, and. Um to, since we're saying package deal, uh, something that worked really well for me when I released Threadcaster, even though I was releasing on Amazon, and now Amazon limits what, you know, it's like I didn't want to deal with the distribution myself. I wanted them all to buy through Amazon so I'd get the numbers. But I had a proof of purchase prize. If you bought it the first day and you showed me, you know, you, you forwarded me your receipt. Because uh, the receipt doesn't have a credit card number on it. It just didn't buy it. You forwarded me the receipt to an email address. Uh, with your mailing address on it, I sent you a prize pack full of like artwork and uh, and that. strings and and cool swag stuff and pens and things stuff that was a unique special prize package for winning the you know for participating in the first day launch so that I could have a launch party for people that weren't present in the city of St. Louis. So that was a, a cool thing that I managed through my website and through my social media. I like that. Um, we're going to come to a close at this point, unfortunately, because we continue talking, as we always do. But 
Always one thing that does sell your next book is, or sells your book is, of course, the next book that's coming out. Absolutely. So, yeah. Never stop. And with that, thank you for listening. Please share our um, our podcast with your other fellow writing friends. Leave comments wherever you listen to us at. Subscribe. You can also write us at writepackradio at windingtrailsmedia.com. Thank you for listening, and have a great week writing. Take care. The new theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.